Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another action-packed, exciting episode of The Jerick Show. I am Javad Malik, speaking live from London and across the pond in the US of A. We have got my colleague and friend, Eric Crone. How are you doing, sir? I am fantastic. Always happy to do this. Always happy to be here. The Jerick Show is just such a part of my life. I I'm just so excited about it. And now, not only can our avid millions and millions of fans watch us here on YouTube, but now they can also listen to us in podcast format. Is that not right? That is true. We just published the podcast. It's going out there on the Apple Podcast um, and a number of other places. I know we're available on Podbean. Um, so if you are into that sort of thing, um, absolutely listen to us during your most private or intimate times of the day. Yeah, so when you're walking the dog in the evening, just stick on the headphones and listen to our informative and educational and entertaining podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. Speaking of informative and educational, what are we going to talk about today, Javad? So let's start off with something in your neck of the woods. Um, ah. Apparently, now... This might come as a surprise to you, Eric, but outside of the U.S., the rest of the world doesn't really follow your election schedule. So it was a bit of a surprise to me to find out that, yes, it was a bit of a surprise for me to find out that you have an election upcoming. And so there's a lot of you know things that go on. And this one article caught my eye because it was published on the Note Before blog, where we both work, um, talking about how there's been some threatening emails landing in... Florida inboxes and what these say let me zoom in on this see I, I'm gonna to have to change my terminology now if, if you're listening on the podcast uh, the, the, the the presenter is now zooming in on an image of a screenshot of an email and it says uh, vote for Trump or else and it's allegedly by the Proud Boys uh, info at officialproudboys.com and uh, it addresses the person by name and says, we are in possession of all your information. You're currently registered as a Democrat, and we know this because we have gained access to the entire voting infrastructure. You will vote for Trump on election day, or we will come after you. Change your party affiliation to Republican to let us know you received our message and will comply. We will know which candidate you voted for. I would take this seriously if I were you. Um, what do you make of that? That sounds pretty scary. It, it's that's pretty crazy. You know, I expected a lot of things. I didn't expect something like this to come out. Now, let's be very clear up front. Okay. We know that this actually wasn't a Proud Boys thing. And the Proud Boys is a very um, right wing organization. Okay. So we, we know it's not really from them. Um, but what I found was interesting about this is I'm not actually sure who this was targeted at because. If you think about it, if somebody is threatening you to, um, you know, to do something, are you actually liable to do that? Or is it going to piss you off and it's going to make sure you vote the other way? I, I don't know actually which way it's going to be more effective. Like, is this really going to have an impact either way? Or is it just designed to further polarize um, what's going on out there? And that may be part of it, too, because we have so much polarizing um, information and disinformation going on out there, that could be just part of the ploy. You're absolutely right. It's so hard. I think if you're a 
If you're a Democrat, you're going to say, oh, look, these Republicans are all crazy. Look at what they're doing. If you're a Republican, you're going to say, this is the Democrats trying to discredit us. Uh, and uh, if, you're, if you're affiliated with the Proud Boys or you, you lean towards them or against them, all of these things, that it, it's going to fire you up. And, and I think this, this pulls back to something very key. And you speak about this a lot in, in some of your presentations. And I, I really like this slide you have with the, the fingers uh, holding the puppet strings. And, yeah. and it, it, it's that these phishing emails in particular, or any social engineering, is really designed to uh, get some sort of emotional response out of you. It's to make you scared, to make you angry, to, to make you greedy, to, to, to whatever it may be. Because if you can get people into that emotional state, you're more likely to get some form of response from them. Yeah, it totally screws up our ability to apply critical thinking when we're in a heightened emotional state, right? Regardless of what that is, whether it's excitement, whether it's anger, whether it's outrage, whatever, uh, it's very hard to apply the critical thinking. That's just a human thing, right? And so what it is, um, you know, there's the type one and type two thinking. Um, if you look into that, uh, it, it's basically your instinctive versus the critical side. And so when something happens, you know, somebody throws a baseball at your head, you immediately grab it. You don't stop and apply critical thinking, right? That's just a, a reflex. And that's what they're trying to get people to do. And, and it's very powerful. We as humans, we, we are subject to that quite a bit. And so um, this was a very interesting ploy again. Now, what we have found out, or at least what, what they're saying right now um, through our government, is that this was backed by Iran, uh, which I found very interesting. I, I've seen a lot of um, China and Russian influence being blamed in what's going on out there. Um, but in this case, they turned around and they, they actually blamed it on Iran. And it sounds like they have some compelling evidence against that. So I thought that was very interesting to see that player pop up in the middle of nowhere. And uh, historically, my understanding is we see a lot of the Chinese influence um, leaning one way, like towards uh, um, uh, the Chinese, I believe, are anti-Trump and the Russians are anti-Biden. OK, and so I think that has to do with trade policy and things like this. I'm not entirely sure and, uh, you know, can't really cite that per se. I don't remember, but I've heard that a couple of times. I have not seen where Iran has been playing in the game. So this is the first time I've seen them pop up on the radar. And the interesting thing is here in the U.S., in many places, for example, uh, Florida, where I'm at right now, we're actually in the early voting period. So people are going out and voting right now. So the timing of this um, is very interesting how it just kind of dropped right now. You're muted. I know. I think my neighbors started their lawnmower, so I muted myself. <laughs> the podcast <laughs> listeners can't see you moving your mouth and saying nothing, but but we can. Yeah, they they just think that it's it's a it's a deep thoughtful pause. They're like, <laughs> what wisdom is going to come next? Yeah, yeah. But uh, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it's such a, a messy situation. And, you know, it's th this is the further just digitalization of uh, nation warfare that has been going on for, for decades, centuries from whenever since nations have been around. Uh, this is just the next ne natural evolution. And the thing is, that it just crosses over and it bleeds over into what we do from the corporate side, from the cybersecurity side. It, there's just uh, no real differentiation between it. And so willingly or unwillingly, 
security professionals have been thrust into the, the center of this conversation. And so we need to do our best to help educate and protect people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we certainly have to do our part to make sure people understand that we are seeing some significant stuff out here. And it is basically a, sense, a, a sort of warfare, right? Like you said, nations have been doing stuff like this for ages, you know, influence elections one way or another, but it's becoming so much easier now with social media and with uh, the digital uh, life that we lead to be able to drive into that. So it's it's something that we can expect to see continuing to ramp up over the years. Um, it's not going to get you know any better in the near future. It's only going to get worse um, because of the level that we're playing this game at. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So anyway, um, jumping on to our next and final topic of the day is uh, this story that we uh, came across our news desk. It's uh, so so crucial to call it our news desk. <laughs> uh, uh, there's a new Chrome Zero Day under active attacks. Update your browser now. That's right, folks. Don't wait till later. Don't finish that coffee. Put the coffee down. Coffee is for patches. Uh, people who patch their systems on time. So it's like if you're using Google Chrome on your Mac, Windows, or Linux computers, you need to update your blah immediately. Google release Chrome version that today. <laughs> to, to patch several high uh, uh, high severity issues and what have you, Eric, give us the the skinny on this. What what is this all about? Yeah, so this is CVE twenty twenty dash fifteen nine ninety nine. I think um, I'm pretty sure I nailed it. You took it away before I could see it. You did, um, but uh, this is a this is an interesting vulnerability. It's with FreeType, which is a font renderer within uh, Chrome. Now. Uh, this is also used in other places, not just Chrome, but this is one of those things. And I wanted to talk about this one, actually, because we see zero days go out. We see that, we hear that, and sometimes people, you know, it's it's the big panic. Oh, my gosh, it's a zero day, it's a zero day. And we've talked about this before. But we don't really need to panic about a zero day all the time, every time, because a lot of zero days happen and there's no active exploits. The key to this one is it's actually being exploited at this time. And that's why it is kind of more important. So if you're doing vulnerability management and patch management, and you're trying to time this stuff, make sure you're looking into that. Like, is it something that's actually being exploited? That makes kind of a difference in, in how critical it really is, regardless of the CVE score, right? Um, but this one here, I haven't actually seen exactly what it does as far as um, if it's an overflow or something like that. Um, but the thing is, yeah, this latest version of uh, Chrome, what is it, 86.0.4240.111 for our podcast listeners, um, that's the one that was just dropped out here uh, to deal with this vulnerability. Now, the key thing is FreeType is also used in other tools. And it may be vulnerable in those as well. As I understand it, the exploit works around um, a, uh, a corrupt or a, a malicious font file, believe it or not, um, that actually causes the issue. So if you can imagine that, how do you stop rendering a font on your browser, right? The, the mitigation for that's going to be pretty tough. Um, so if, uh, you know, if you're using Chrome, it's probably not a bad idea to go ahead and pop in and do that update. Thank you for that. Um, saved me from having to read the story and figure out all those details myself. So that's why you—that's why I keep you around, Eric. You are useful. Once in a while. 
<laughs> right. Hey, I'm glad I can help in, in one way or another. One of us has to understand this stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I think what, one thing is, though, is like we, we speak a lot about patching and it's on one hand, it's really easy because you say it. And the example I often use is um, eat less and work out more and you become fit. And it's true, it works, it's effective. It's not even that difficult or just cutting out carbs for, for or reducing the amount of carbs. I know you need to reduce the carbs, you have. And, uh, and that's not me, that's medical advice, a doctor said that. But, um, you know, it's, it sounds easy, but in practice, it's just so tough to do. And patching is a bit like that. What, what do you have any, like, I'll tell you what, next week, let's try to get a guest on who can help talk us through patching. And what are the challenges and uh, what things, actual practical steps organizations can do? I mean, I, I can tell you a little bit about what I've done. And uh, I, I was fortunate enough to be in a position. I helped roll out the um, Active Directory for the U.S. Army. I was a domain administrator for the Active Directory in the U.S. Army, deployed it in a lot of different places, et cetera, et cetera. And you can imagine if you have something like an Active Directory running, um, that's pretty important to keep things like that up and running. And patching was always one of those things that we had to be very, very cautious with and careful with um, because it can go wrong. And of course you have labs that try to simulate that, but you know, it's never exactly the same in a simulated environment as it is in the real environment. And uh, you know, we saw different issues with that. We had different um, uh, concerns. We had uh, things that we absolutely didn't, uh, you know, understand. And I got to be careful what I talk about here because, um, you know, we are talking about military stuff, but I will say this. I mean, we saw issues with um, getting the patches out to things with actually the transport part. And we saw issues with machines not coming back up. And one of the key things that I learned about that that was really nice in Active Directory is we would oftentimes shut down half of the machines on these different sites, do the patch, make sure it was all working and then bring up the other half. Because AD is so resilient, that helped us because if something went horribly wrong with some of them, no big deal. You shut those down, you bring up the old ones that haven't been messed with and everything's happy. Um, thinking outside the box on ways that you can do stuff like that is, uh, is a very um, wise thing to do because patching, it is. It's tough. Um, I get your, your point about it sounds okay. But ultimately, when it comes down to breaking things, uh, there are a few things that do it better than patching. <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for that, and thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. I don't know, it sounds like the American thing to say, I feel dirty now, and you're gonna need a shower now. So on that note, we shall leave our, leave our viewers and listeners. So uh, enjoy your, the, the rest of your dog walk, hopefully, um, yeah, we are considering getting guests on board in the near future, so stay tuned for that. Maybe not next week, but in, in the coming weeks. Uh, we we want to make this more uh, informative and educational for yourselves and, uh, you know, talk about some topics in a more deep dive. So maybe giving away a bit more than we should have, but, you know. Um, You're kind of burying your soul here today, Javad. What's up with that? It's a <laughs> bit of a preview of things to come, yes. I'm in one of those contemplative moods. So. <laughs> Until then, um, uh, let me kick off Eric before he says anything more to, to about me that I don't want divulged on air. You can still hear me. 
Okay, hold on. There you go. We can't hear you now. So <laughs> this is the beauty. I mean, I control the whole uh, system that we use over here. So I can mute him, I can unmute him, I can kick him out. I can throw in banners and, and stuff like uh, like the ones uh, you see. So anyway, um, before, be sure to follow us, subscribe to our podcast, uh, follow us on social media. We have a Twitter account now, at The Jerick Show, or is it at Jerick Show? Let me just double check that. Uh, Eric, if you, I can see you nod. Is it Jerick Show or <laughs> he's not telling me now? Uh, let's just see. Yeah, it's cool. No, it's not Jerick Show. It, is, it must be the Jerick Show. I'm just rambling now. It, it is actually the Jerick Show. So subscribe, like, share, get your families and friends involved if you hate them. And uh, we'll see you next week. Stay secure, my friends.